when two people come together and one person comes with a great idea and the other person helps elevate that, that's how you really create something beautiful. It takes less stress off you. You don't, you don't have to wear multiple hats and then you guys can really curate something beautiful from it. Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am so happy to be back in the studio today because I come bearing really great news that we have the Robin to my Batman, the peanut butter to my jelly, and my co-pilot on this aircraft, Mr. Shane Reitzammer, back in the building. Shane, it is good to have you back, my friend. Dude, you are gotta you gotta get paid more for these <laughs> intros, bro. I'm like hyped up. He left us a father of one, came back a father of two beautiful girls, man. Tell me about the last three weeks for you, bro. We've missed you in the studio. If I could remember them, I'd tell you all about No, <laughs> just kidding. It's been awesome, man. Uh, Parker was born healthy on 927. Amazing. She's doing great. Mom and dad aren't really sleeping that much because that's what newborns do. But yep. uh, And then we also have the 15-month-old Kaya. Love who it. Who is running around the house, climbing, doing all sorts of things. You know, she's a little yeah. daredevil now, so... Lack of sleep, chasing my toddler, but life could not be better, bro. It's it's awesome. Well, we are excited for you, man. We missed you in the studio. We had uh, three incredible guests uh, that you missed out on that you'll get to hear their episode, but uh, we talked a little bit about you behind your back. Good things, mostly. Oh. Mm. Um, but we're happy to have you back in the studio today, and it is good to see your face, my friend. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, we have an incredible guest with us in the mix today. He is a director of photography extraordinaire, Stone Cold Killer, all the way out from Phoenix, Arizona, welcoming to the show for the very first time our newest Rough Cut Club member, Mr. Tyler Chandler. Tyler, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I know uh, we had to reschedule, but we're here, so that's all that matters, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to do this. Yeah, man. We, uh, we have been a fan of uh, your work from afar. Uh, I don't actually know how I stumbled across your page, but um, a long time ago I found you and I was like, man, this dude's work is incredible. Uh, and I kind of followed him, a uh, little ghost follower for a long time. And I was like, man, I got to get him on the show, uh, just connect with another fellow DP and uh, th this podcast is really just an opportunity for me to find people on Instagram who I think are tight and just hit them up and be like, let's talk for an hour. So. Wow. So so basically, the Rough Cut Club <laughs> is is Joey stalking other fellow filmmakers. I mean, to a degree, man. I just find people online who are crushing it, and I said, let's be friends. So Tyler, how does it feel to be stalked from Texas? <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to say it's a first for me, so it's uh... a... <laughs> I don't even know how to feel right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> creeped out maybe a little. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now Tyler's uh, his work is incredible, man. I'm excited to uh, to unpack kind of some of his journey. And so, just to get right into it, man, tell me a little bit about uh, your intro into filmmaking, and then what you're kind of doing in the industry right now, man. Yeah, sure. So I started off, you know, I think just like most people, with a camera in my hand. Um, I met one of my good friends, and he kind of shot car photography back in the day, and I was that's what I want to do. I was obsessed with cars, so um, he told me, he's like, go out, buy your first camera, I'll teach you how to use it, and then, you know, it's it's on you from there. So I went out and bought, uh, I think it was a D3200, a Nikon D3200 from a friend, or whatever that, I can't even remember, it was so long ago, but I uh, started shooting photos. About a year later, a friend sent me a camera that shot video for the first time and I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's see what this thing can do. I remember I, I ordered a little slider off Amazon and I put up like, a, I don't know, something I had around my house and I was just practicing back and forth on that. I was like, okay, this is fun. It's not what I want to do yet. 
So I started pursuing photography a little bit more. And I think a year after that, I started getting really inspired by a lot of the people in the space as far as my buddy Crispy and then this guy Halcyon that shot a lot of car videos. And they just went to car events around the world and just filmed cool cars. So I was like, that's that's one way I could step up from car photos. I could start shooting car videos. So I went out, bought an A7S II. Camera's still with me till, till this day. I think that was back in 2016. Um, and then instantly bought a Ronin M and just threw it on and hoped for the best. I really didn't know a lot about video. I didn't know a lot about video settings and stuff like that, you know. Did the good old YouTube university to try to learn. And then I did that for a while. I started building up a little bit of a YouTube. Um, just, yeah, posting a lot on posting a lot on YouTube. And just I thought that's what I wanted to do is just be a car YouTuber and, and all this jazz, you know. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of like speeding up the process. It's a very, very long story. I can get extremely into detail, but there's a lot of boring stuff. So I'll just skip. A little bit ahead, um, I went to a car show and a local production company had brought their camera car out and I thought it was the coolest thing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot them a cool little video. I did that. I sent the video to them. I went and talked to them at the show and then I was like, I love what you guys do. If you guys ever need any help behind the scenes, whatever, please hit me up. So I think maybe a month or two went by after that and they finally hit me up to do some PA work. And I can't even, I couldn't tell you the first project that we did together, but, um, shortly after they asked me to shoot behind the scenes for a spec project they were doing up in the Northern part of Arizona, um, filming a Can-Am, kind of doing a Can-Am spec. And, um, I think that just went really well. We all really vibed and clicked. So we took it from there and we kind of just started hanging out more and shooting more. And they just, they really helped push me into the industry that I am now. And those those guys are the real bros. They do a lot of camera car stuff, cable cam, heavy movement. They have Cinema Robot now. They're like, mm. they're the coolest guys. I love them to death. But um, yeah, they slowly started teaching me the way, started introducing me to the actual industry and what the actual industry is like. And eventually ended up giving me my first DP job with them for NBC. American Song Contest, which was also my first national TV spot, which is still insane to me that it was only, I think, a year after knowing them, a year and a half after knowing them, that they're already trusting me with something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that's like kind of a rough intro to how I got into the scene. And, and as far as like what I'm doing now, I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of narrative projects and some music and then commercial work just your typical commercial work. Dude, that is awesome. I love I love that story and I love how uh I, I think it's so valuable for our listeners because some of our listeners are, you know, maybe four or five years ago were, you know, on the come up, right? Yeah. And some of us are about to retire. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it's good for everybody to hear that. And and so we have heard that story a lot. And I think Joey and I actually connect with that too totally. about the Hey, shoot work, do work for somebody, show them your skills, your capabilities, like you did at that, um, w for the camera car. Right. Yeah. And then that got you into that gig and propelled you along into your career. You did PA work, then you shot BTS video for them. And then you were a year later, you're DP on a, a national spot. That's, that's sick, man. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't thank those guys more and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't 
uh, I couldn't tell anybody anymore, like, just, yeah, do work. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what it is at the beginning. Just get your foot in the door. Yeah. Get to know people. Networking is so strong in this business. Yeah. Very similar story for me on how I landed my first feature DP film role is just, I started out on that project filming behind the scenes and one thing led to another, but meeting the connections that I did on that project wound up leading me to uh, climbing actually all the way up to be a first unit DP of the project by the end of it, um, which was really insane. Uh, but like to your point, just being there and being, you know, available is one of the best things that you can do, even if it's, you know, below what you normally do from a day to day standpoint just being in the room uh, is one of the greatest opportunities and maybe not even for that project, but for a project a year later, you know what I mean? Um, and so I, I love that component, man. Uh, not that long ago, I just, uh, you know, we both actually shot our very first race car uh, film where we got to deploy like a camera car and shoot a car going like 70 or 80 miles an hour on like a track drifting and whatnot. And it was one of the best days in my film career so far. Like I have not had that much fun filming, uh, previous to filming this car spot. I got to jump yeah, in yeah, yeah, because yeah. when he says camera car, Tyler, I got to tell you, <laughs> My RAV <laughs> four was deployed. Okay, and so we had we had a sweet you know hook up with a, a a mount for the back of the hitch, and and it we maybe we can show some BTS on the YouTube episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was an amazing day. But when he says camera car, I'm watching as the director producer, and I'm watching my RAV four trying to hug these drift turns because we had a drift car chasing it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it turned out sick. Yeah, and we should be dropping that uh, any time. You can probably find it on YouTube at this point. Yeah, we had a we had a Ronin hooked up to the back of a hitch where we were doing remote operating off the back of it, but. Uh, Shane's car was definitely not equipped for uh, the drift track, and yet we deployed it anyway, and it turned out incredible. Yeah, so it handled surprisingly well. It really, Good job, Toyota. It really did. Yeah, shout out to Toyota for that. Uh, hire us to do a car commercial, Toyota. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, I want to. I want to uh, like. So, so when you're doing these car spots, do you get the same satisfaction out of doing? Because a lot of people do like the car spots where they're you know, waving a light over, you know, the logo while it's parked and stuff like that. Do you get the same satisfaction out of doing stuff, you know, from parked cars where it's just the sexy B-roll stuff instead of like the car chasing stuff like that? Um, or, or is that your main focus to like actually chase cars? I mean, I, I, I personally love it all. Like I said, I grew up a car kid. So um, all, all of it kind of whatever helps tell the story of it, you know. Um, I do enjoy, and it is very difficult to light a car because it's a big subject. It's very reflective. You know, you have to use huge soft sources in order to get it to look right as, as far as like, I don't know, getting details and stuff like that. But you don't really have to think about that as much when you are doing chases. Mm. You just have to worry about, is the car in the reflection? And that's pretty much about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's a couple different that you can be aggressive with the chase. You can be a little bit more calm. It kind of just depends on on the story. But I overall, I I, I think it's all fun. Like I, I don't I don't dislike doing anything car related, especially now that it's more story based or there's a purpose to it as opposed to my YouTube stuff. That stuff got really repetitive because that was just let's put a car, a car in a cool area, shoot around it for a little bit, and then leave, and then maybe go do rolling shots somewhere. I don't know. But, um, yeah, being able to use light to help motivate stuff or just show off cool details of the car definitely 
elevated that side for me. It's a great, um, just like pro tip too, that you brought up, um, you know, whether shooting a car that's super reflective or, you know, any object that's super reflective, the best way to fight that is by a huge soft source. Uh, you're going to be able to overcome those reflections. And so I love that pro tip that, uh, was inserted there. But um, man, there's, I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers that are super interested in breaking into the car space and it's super competitive. Do you have like any advice for the filmmakers who are interested in doing car, uh, you know, cinematography to break into the industry and to actually land paid jobs in the space? Yeah. Uh, the best way that I could say to do it, I mean, this is just, this goes for everything, but spec work, spec work will help set you apart, you know, invest your own money into something that looks cool. And if you don't have a lot of money, you don't need that. Try to find a friend. Everybody has a car, so it doesn't really matter what kind of car it is. You work with what you got. So if your friend has a Toyota, make a cool Toyota commercial, you know, it doesn't need to be this extravagant McLaren on a racetrack or something like that. Like, you know, we'd all love to get to that, to that point, but in order to get to those paying jobs, you have to be able to prove that you can do it. So starting somewhere is the best. It's just the best way to do it. You just come up with a cool story, get a couple of friends together, go out, film, put it together, post it up, you know, try to send it to a couple people, directors, producers, so on and so forth. And I'd, I'd jump in and say this too. So uh, Cinema Story has been around since 2010. So we've been around for 13 years and just more recently we started doing spec commercials because we go man there's a lot of stuff we want to shoot but we're not shooting and we got to prove to people that we can shoot it so even you know a production company media company that's been around for 13 years we i love spec shoots man they're more fun than client shoots because you get total control and i'm like i just wish it would pay you know but it's the future that you're working for on those spec shoots. And I, Joey, would you agree? I mean, I think we have the most fun on a spec shoot. Yeah. And I even look at my early days too, like as a filmmaker, like all I did was spec, like before I had a, you know, a portfolio, it was just portfolio building where I would go out in the streets and film little 30, you know, 60 second stuff or a music video for a friend of mine. And it was like every project that I did was art for art's sake. And I, and I feel like that was the foundation that, you know, was built for me to actually, you know, jumpstart my career. And so uh, it's felt really, really good getting back to the roots of why I got into filming to begin with and just creating the art that I wanted to create uh, without client revisions and, you know, all of this stuff. It's like just doing the work that you want to do. I always feel like, you know, the passion that you have for those spec projects is the secret ingredient to landing you your very best work, which ultimately gets you on your next biggest set. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of spec projects and even now more than ever trying to get back to the roots of uh, why I started filming in the first place, man. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Joey's got an awesome question that I'm not going to steal from you, (laughs) as I know, but this is the opposite of that question. Right, right, right. What is like your absolute favorite, you know, spec shoot uh, video that you have created to date? Uh, it's, it's one that I did of a Mercedes 190E Evo 2. Um, it's one of the bigger spec projects that I've ever done. Um, I had, I think at the time it's, it was like $300,000 car that a good friend of mine owned. And not only that, but it's rare and it has cool history because it was the, um, the car that Mercedes built to try to beat the BMW M3 back in, uh, 
can't even now I can't. It's one of my favorite projects. I can't remember the uh, the races, but um, yeah, it was really fun to be able to to show the history behind the car and also just do something. There wasn't it wasn't like too story guided, but overall it was really fun. I got to bring the camera car out, the real Rose. Mm. It, like just basically pro bono did that for me, which is just. <clears throat> I can't thank them enough because I, I don't even want to get the invoice for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that one was really special to me just just from the amount of help that I had and the story that we were able to, to create from it. And when you talk about stories, you know, as a, as a DP, are you also heavily involved in that storytelling of, uh, for example, that favorite spot? Like, did you help craft the story or was that a director producer move or a combination? Like, how do you, how does your process look in, in regards to storytelling? So for that project in particular, I was the director, the DP, the editor, the colorist, and then I had the real bros do the sound design on it and then just various other pieces. So um typically i don't i don't like to step into the directing role or even the editing like i'll do dp and color and that's like all i do but mm -hmm. if i have a cool idea or i think it's a cool idea it cannot be but um i'll typically try to form it myself and just really try to put my all into it but that's rare because i just I, I i don't know what it is but it's it's hard for me to come up with a story if someone hands me something i can help craft it or i can help get it to to reality but i i, I gotta jump in yeah because it's it, joey says that exact same thing all the time and so that's where he and i uh dynamically work together well because i can generate a story and then i'm like bro make this look good yeah. <laughs> like you figure out how this actually works <laughs> yeah. and he goes yeah i got it yeah. you know and we don't always see the same images in our head but he improves it and you know i love the end product so i think that's definitely a dp thing like you guys are like Hand me, hand me the story, and I'm going to make it what you want it to be and even better. Yeah, I mean, like our job is literally to take the director's vision and bring it to life from a technical and creative standpoint, but then to take your vision and go, you don't know that we can do this on our end, but here's what we can do from a creative standpoint to make that story larger than life as you currently see it. And so I love not being in the director's chair and taking something that the director has and says, well, let's take this to this level instead of where you currently have it. Like that is where I get the most amount of fulfillment as a DP when, when I can take and one, just execute your vision, but not only execute it, but elevate it past what you were even expecting. Like it is the pinnacle of like fulfillment in what I do. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all collaborators at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, without a director, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm nothing, but you know, when two people come together and one person comes with a great idea and the other person helps elevate that, that's how you really create something beautiful. It takes less stress off you. You don't you don't have to wear multiple hats and then you guys can really curate something beautiful from it. Yeah, and I think a lot of DPs too like start out being the one man band that has to, you know, do it all. And so we learn all the roles on set, we direct the clients, and then we start working our way up to where we're now working with a director who's got this input and this vision. And I felt my just the season of life that I was in as a filmmaker get so much more exciting when I got to work with a visionary for a story and then I just got to focus on the aesthetics of the film and technically making uh, or making that film happen from a technical standpoint um, and I got to you know pour more time into how I can 
use my paintbrushes and different, you know, how I can touch the canvas differently rather than producing and directing and doing all of it. And then I don't even have time to just marinate on all the different ways I can creatively bring the story to life. And so uh, it's a fun chapter to move into where you're working with a director and just getting to be a DP instead of the one man band that does it all. Absolutely. Well, brother, there's got to be in all the spec car shoots that you've done, there's got to be at least one horror story of a, a camera going down or a ticket being issued. There's got to be something. Uh, give me one like horror story because uh, this dude has a Rolodex of really tight car projects. And even just from the one that we did, the one, we almost had a camera go down. And so you got to, I need one horror story from uh, from your car experiences. Thankfully, I haven't had too many. I mean, there, there's stuff here and there, like you're going to set up a car rig or something and you don't fully latch it on and your hand's still on it and it like drops a little bit. You're like, okay, well, let's get that on there. Make sure you put safeties on that. We don't, I, I, I think you guys remember that one viral video that was going around at the, the, it was a Ronin, Ronin two falling off with the red going flying and all that yeah. stuff like that just because they didn't secure it. Then they blamed it on the PA and all that. But um, <laughs> luckily, I haven't, I haven't gotten too many. T- I got one ticket. I was in Ocean City, Maryland, filming the H2OI car event out there, and I was hanging out the window of a guy I just met um, to film another car. And they're strict on the on the strip out there in Ocean City, so they pulled me over. They gave me a, a ticket for negligence i think it was and then they also <laughs> take the driver and you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so that wasn't fun i had to end up paying that but yeah thankfully i haven't had too many too many stories i try to be as safe as possible especially awesome. when you're working with expensive cars or you're working with yeah. expensive camera equipment too it's not it's not always just the cars that are really expensive but it's good man That's you a- have to, you have to take in the safety precautions that's a great track record. Only one yeah. ticket for negligence and, and no uh, cameras Shit. down. That's awesome, man. What On that same uh, vibe, any uh, like you kind of mentioned already, check all your safety straps, all that stuff. What's your process to stay so safe when you're working around these expensive cars, when you're working with expensive cameras and placing them on, on the cars? Any tips that you can give our viewers, listeners, um, you know, safety checklist like what was it what are the things that have helped you be so safe so i would always recommend a prep day of any sort especially when you're doing i don't know camera arm work if mm-hmm. you have like a black arm or something like that um and then the day of i mean i put ratchet straps that hold the speed rail onto the car it's already mounted down but i i i, I go like extra precaution i'm, I'm I, I don't play around with that stuff so i do uh safety from the camera to the gimbal and then I do the gimbal to the arm as well just as a double safety and then anything else that's like loose and hanging I'll try to try to find a way to rig it on there whether it's gaff tape the crap out of it or something um make sure everything is really rigid give it a good shake there's just I don't know it's there's there's certain ways to do everything and every project can be a little different as opposed to what you have on the car or something like that so it's just make sure you're safetying the camera at least and i always say double safety and do a gimbal (laughs) pro tips right there for sure yep love it man well i want to transition out of some of the car stuff and into uh some of your other work um before i get into your short film though you you recently did a project with ed sheeran correct i did yes that was extremely special to me that was awesome tell me about uh that shoot and kind of what went into it man yeah so that was um it was released for his new album called autumn variations um 
we did fan visits. So we just randomly showed up at fans house. Not randomly. It was all, obviously all curated. But um, <clears throat> he would surprise the fans. We told them they had this box coming and they were going to open the box. And it was going to be a big unboxing and somebody was going to sit there and talk them through that. But we captured their <laughs> their reactions and all that. Um, but it was really cool because we had, I think, seven or eight people on our team that were just shooting. And we shot 14 music videos over the span of two days. Wow. So there was seven and seven on each day. And it was, I think we had four and the other team had three, but we were leapfrogging. So one team would go set up the house first and then we'd be at the second house starting to get set up for the second house. And then Ed would show up to the first house, perform, and then come over to the second house. And then that team would go to the third house. And then after that, we would go to the fourth house and so on and so forth. Sometimes we would have a little bit longer than others, but... The good thing was Ed is very good at what he does. He was able to hit it off first take at the, at the, at the most part. I think there was like one stumble or, you know, it's a new new album coming out. He, he might not have everything, but um, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And hearing his voice in person is just, I mean, I used to listen to Ed Sheeran growing up. Like it was, it was unreal to me. That's probably the, the biggest celebrity that I've worked with to this date. And then at the end of it, he was so humble and he, he came up and shook everyone's hands and gave everybody hugs, thanked the crew mm. and even hung out with some of the, the uh, fans for a little bit, maybe had like a drink with them or like played them extra songs. And it was really cool to see that. That's awesome, man. You got to tell me how you actually landed a project like that, like getting a connect to do a, you know, a, a video with Ed is, is a huge milestone uh, in the career. I'm curious how you actually landed that. So I couldn't have done it without the real bros. Once again, they, uh, they always, they always bring me the really cool stuff. They've, they've gotten me on tons of projects this year that I just never would have imagined. But, uh, so earlier in the year we worked with Matchbox 20. I don't know if you remember them. They were kind of big back in the nineties or at least early two thousands. I, I mean, my mom listened to them when I was growing up. So I was pumped to do that. They had a couple of comeback songs, and we filmed that for a live performance at the Kelly Clarkson show, mm. and that was through Atlantic Records. And so we interviewed Atlantic Records. We, we all hung out. We talked to them and stuff like that, and I think we just locked in like a, a good deal with them or uh, a good relationship, I would say, mm. because they're awesome people. They, they were really fun to hang out with. I think we all meshed really well. We were all joking around. I have a funny little interview of them, like talking crap, but like it was, it was all in good faith, you know. It wasn't, wasn't any animosity, but it was, it was really fun. And then, yeah, they just they hit the real bros up, said, "Hey, we need this many people. We have an Ed Sheeran shoot coming up." And luckily, I don't even. I, I got to thank those guys again because they hit me up and we made it happen. I think I had to reschedule a couple things. I was like, I'm not missing this. I'm sorry. Like this is, this is too big for me. So I, I have to, I have to push some stuff back or reschedule. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's always such a fun experience getting a chance to film with like celebrities that you look up to. Like there's just an energy in the room when they walk in that you're like, Whoa, this is, this is wild. Uh, totally not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally not like value add for our audience, but who's one other, uh, celebrity that you'd get super starstruck by or is on your dream list of people that, uh, if you could film a project with them, uh, you'd love to get, 
love to get a chance to work with? Well, so I've, I've, I just got asked that too. I don't really, I don't really like look up to celebrities. Like it's, if it comes up, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't, it was really hard for me to put a person or like a name to it because I mean, I, I listen to a lot of music. I love a lot of people or like I watch movies and stuff like that, but it's really hard to pick somebody and just, I don't know. I don't, I don't look up to celebrities in that, that sense but I'd love to work with more and I'd love to work with all of them. I'd love to see how certain people are and stuff like that. Cause you see them on TV or For you sure. see them in interviews and you're like, Oh God, I wonder if they're a cool person, you know, or like you listen to them growing up and then you're like, Oh, I yeah. wonder if they're a cool person. I wonder what they're going to be like. And then they turn out to be awesome. They turn out to be really genuine and really down to earth and humble. And that just solidifies everything. It's like, okay, that made all the music that I listened to as a child worth it. Or like, I love it. I can get behind this person. I can support them. So yeah, to touch on what you said, I, I can't put a specific name onto it, but there's definitely more that I'd love to work with. I gotta, I gotta say matchbox 20. I grew up with that. So I was born in the eighties. So that matchbox 20 was definitely on my burned CDs guys and cassette tapes actually oh, yeah. before the CDs. And so I'm just going to throw this out here. Taking back Sunday. If you're listening to this podcast, I would love to shoot a re uh, made music video for one of your older albums or maybe something new. And then, Hey, Taylor Swift, come on, shout at us too. Let's go big budget video uh, with our boy over here. Maybe uh, a Joey uh, Tyler combo, man, that'd be dope. I got, I got a, before I die, I want to shoot a project with Shia LaBeouf. He's on my, he's on my list. I know he had a bad rap for a while. He's making his comeback now and is he's in the middle of his redemption story, but he's the, the number one lookalike that I get on a probably bi-weekly basis. And uh, I would love to get one, just a photo with him. But if I could do a project with him, he is a phenomenal actor, and I'm a fan of Shia, and I'm probably going to get some backlash for that. But hey, that's that's awesome. Shia, you could man. DP, and then you could also be a stand-in. Yeah. So I don't know how that would work. Shia, you have to Shia Shia monitor. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, there you go. Dude, oh, if I could do a camera. No, that's stand-in. that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. His his uh his comeback story is pretty crazy, actually. Dude, it's yeah. super I just wild. The video and all that. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's got a really really powerful like redemption story that he's like in the middle of having just like a total heart transformation right now from you know an abusive background and Mm. you know some rough stuff and now he's like having kind of like an awakening and i'm definitely like super happy for him like at the end of the day like that's a beautiful story for for anyone so yeah Um, Shout out to Shia. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you work together. Shout out to Shia, man. Um, well, dude, I want to talk about some of the narrative projects that you've uh, you've gotten to work on. I know you got a big one right now that you um, just got done uh, shooting uh, called Omerta. Am I pronouncing that right? Omerta. Tell me about yes. Omerta, man. So Omerta was a project that a good buddy of mine, Nolan, uh, brought to me. We we had done a couple of like local business shoots at the time that he brought this to me, and um, it was the biggest project that I had seen to date because it was my first time stepping into like full DP role where like I'm managing crew, I'm managing the lighting, I'm doing everything on that, that end. So much previs that I just, I didn't know anything about that at the time. So I was like, I downloaded CineTracer, I started building out all the scenes and stuff like that. And I was having a lot of fun with that. But 
yeah, it was, it, I would say it was it, at the time, and this was about this literally a year ago. Actually, I think it was right when we started filming. Yeah, about October at the end of October is when we first started filming for Omerta. It was a four day shoot, best crew. It was awesome. I couldn't couldn't thank anybody more. We did it. Ugh. I don't want to tell like the specific budget, but we did it for under five thousand. Wow, um, wow, which is unreal. And we couldn't have done that without all the help. We couldn't have done that without a lot of people donating their time and mm. their equipment and so much more. And, and and now a year later, we're seeing that and it's winning multiple awards. And um, I got my first official selection for cinematography at a short film. That, that's it's it's not like I won anything, but it's awesome to even be noticed for that regards. Mm. And we had our screening recently and that, that was a great turnout. We had a bunch, we had all the crew come, well, not all of them, a bunch of them had to miss out because of work or whatever, but we had most of the crew there and we got to show them what we did finally after a year almost. And it was really cool to see everyone's reactions and see how everyone loved it. And we're hopefully planning on doing more with it, but we'll just see how it goes from there. I love it, dude. Well, congrats on that film first and foremost. Uh, but you, you brought something up. Um, I want to dive back into on the on the previs section. Uh, I saw in a carousel on your Instagram that you replicated a 3D model of the room to like pre-light almost sort of and, and just plan out like camera movements and all that stuff. Dive into kind of that pre-production process and, and the building out of like the 3D models that you did to ensure it was a successful production. Yeah, so I mean, I've always loved messing with 3D. And once I found Cinetracer, I thought it was the coolest thing because you can actually like, not to scale because you can't, can't measure out the rooms perfectly, but you can get really close and you can kind of use people as like a judgment um, on our locations guide, I took tons of photos of every little detail in every little corner. And then I was able to then pop those up on a second monitor while I was building out the, the locations. But I think it's just so important to have a 3d space in previs because you can, you can figure out, okay, where can I hide a light that you can't really do on like a top down. Like you can, you can tell somebody like I was giving people top downs, but it wasn't really working. But then I showed them the three or the 3d previs and they're like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Cause then you can get a little bit more, um, def or defined with, okay, I need this light outside. I need it pointing at this direction. You need to hit the table, like almost specifically like this. And you can show them that in the screenshots and then you can, you can pre-walk, like you like you said, the camera camera movement. So if you have like a handheld camera movement, you can kind of it's not, it's going to be really steady inside the game unless you have the I think they have a thing where you can do it in like Oculus, but I I don't want to go through all that. Um, but yeah, then that way you can start blocking early and you can start doing all these things that would then take time on set to actually do. So the more in pre-production that you can get done the better it is, right? Um, so yeah, we just, we went hard on previs and, and blocking and lighting and all this stuff. And I spent probably a week making all the different sets that we had, but it was worth it in every regard. I love it, dude. This is uh, a, a common thing. You know, we've had a couple of DPs on here in the, in, in the past and every one of them echoes the exact same uh, importance for 
the pre-production process and the planning and, and, you know, planning for plan B, you know, and, and all of these just different items to ensure that the production is a success uh, and that you have prepared and accounted for all the hiccups that could happen along the way. Um, and it's really what helps separate you, uh, I think, as a DP. You know, a lot of people get wrapped up in, you know, how good somebody is on set. But I think one of the, you know, one of the biggest ways that you can improve as a DP is before you ever make it to set that you have you've done the pre-production process thoroughly. And uh, it's just one of the ways that you can separate yourself from the competition is by having those previs, you know, 3D samples. Like if somebody came to me, uh, you know, as a director and they were bringing 3d samples of how they were going to light the set like it says a lot about the thought that they put into what they're going to do um and so i thought that was super dope i don't actually know how to use cine tracer but now i'm inspired to step my game up uh because of you man so that's tight awesome yeah i could i couldn't recommend it more i'm curious too uh you know and you're probably about to get to this but your prep process you know on a on a shoot and i know it's different for for different types of projects right music videos to but let's just say storytelling in general you know when a director comes to you with a script you know what does that process look like because i think other dps you know y'all all do it similar but you also do it differently and y'all have unique uh aspects that make you guys you and so what does your your process look like tyler like from the initial start of a project with a director uh in, in your pre-pro prep sure so a director will typically bring me a script and the first thing that I do is I just try to read it. I try not to. I know it's really hard to, as a DP, start thinking about stuff immediately and start like getting into it, writing down ideas, shot ideas, or lighting ideas and stuff like that. But I try to just turn that part of my brain off and just read it as a consumer. And that, that, that helps me kind of get a little bit more involved in the actual story because at the end of the day, a cinematographer is just there to help tell the story visually, not coming here with the best things that we can do. And, and although it's, it's, you know, we try to elevate that and do the best things that we can do, but our goal is to tell the story visually in an, in a, in a, in a way that makes sense to the actual story. So from there, I'll read the script and then I'll go back and I'll line the script. I'll start putting my own little notes there. And then I almost try to meet up with the director immediately and start talking about shot ideas, wardrobe, color, all this type of stuff that goes into day of actual production. And then from there, we get our shot list, we get our storyboard down, and then I hop on a Cine Tracer and I start building out everything. Or, sorry, I can't, I can't do that yet <laughs> because we'll try to location scout. I missed a step there. We'll location scout and then... I'll take the photos on the location scout. You know, we'll do our tech scouts to make sure that we're able to power everything and do all that. But then I'll pop into Cinetracer and then I'll do all that and then um, export all my frames, get it all sent up or get it all built up, get my team put together, and then I'll typically have a conversation with the gaffer and G&E and stuff like that to make sure some of this stuff is possible or make sure it's not going to be too much of a hassle and it can fit within our budget too. Because I think that's another big big thing is like you have a budget stick with it as much as you can so the producer loves you <laughs> um but yeah there's there's a there's a lot of details and stuff like that to go into it that you really have to pay attention to and a lot of that a lot of people don't really understand that wardrobe set deck all that stuff is is 
just as important, if not more than like, let's say lighting, mm. because it can really help tell the space and tell the story. And you have to, as a DP, you kind of have to step in there because then you can be like, okay, well maybe we can throw a lamp back here that can help motivate the lighting or something like that. So getting involved in set decoration and, and all that type of stuff is very important as a DP. And that's part of the pre-production process that I think a lot of people skip out on. Mm. That's mm. awesome, man. Um, this was kind of a, a short that's, you know, crime family driven mm. piece. Uh, was there anything that you were trying to like bring to this that was like a new visual approach to like a classic genre styled <laughs> film that kind of helped separate it and make it different from, you know, just a visual standpoint? Yeah. So I would say my personal taste and my personal style is a little bit more modern in a sense because I know a lot of the older stuff. I mean, it was very contrasty and very hard light and stuff like that. So I was trying to find a way to get some of the similar contrasts and, and uh, heavy shadows and stuff like that, but still keeping the, the lights soft or keeping keeping the uh, yeah the wraparound soft so it's not all these hard lights just hitting. You know, when you're looking at classic noir films, I feel like the majority of them do have really hard lighting or they're, they're typically like black and white or something like that or like very muted colors. And when we were working on the color, we were like, okay, let's pump some saturation into this. Let's get it really dark and moody and then so on and so forth. But yeah, I would say that's, that's probably about it. It's cool. That's awesome, man. Um, dude, if you had to go back to your younger self and give your younger self a piece of advice getting into the industry, what would you tell the younger you that was trying to make a name for himself? Network, just network, network, network. Don't try to like sell yourself to people immediately. Just get to know people in the industry and, and take them out to coffee with no intent other than just being friends with them. Mm. Like build your relationships. Like it's, it's obvious that you network in order to further down the road, get some work from it. But if you can make friends along the way or you can be cool with somebody and, and throw help back and forth, like, oh, you need help this day? Cool, I can be there. Or like vice versa, like, hey, is there any way that I can get a little bit of help, whether it be like a piece of equipment or something from you? Um, yeah, building relationships is probably the most important thing in this this industry. It doesn't it doesn't matter how good you are if you're not a good person on set, then it's going to be really hard for somebody to want to bring you back. Mm. So, being a good person, building relationships. Yeah, that's that's it. That's that's all I would tell myself is just start that way and then build your way up from there. Constantly work do spec projects, stuff like that. I love it, dude. Um, one of my last questions before we get to our final final five that we ask every guest, but uh, apart from networking, is there any tangible advice that you can leave our listeners on how to be successful as a DP in today's day and age? I mean, we've, talk we've touched on it a couple of times, but I think you have to prove that you know what you're doing, right? So it's just practice, 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 mm. practice. You get out there, like I, I'll go out, my office has like a big area where it's like kind of like a recreational spot. I'll go out there and I'll throw up a couple lights and I'll see what I can do. I'll see how I can get a softer light or something like that. Or I'll see if I can motivate light from somewhere or make it, you know, really cool side light or so on and so forth. But just it's just practice. So spec work is a great, great, great way to do that. Try to come up with a story, get a couple friends together. You know, we touched on that quite a bit, but then try to 
try to push your boundaries a little bit with lighting. I know when I started off, I had no idea what lighting was. And I have friends that hire me all the time to do like some smaller stuff, but they're like, I don't understand lighting one bit. And I was like, just, just throw a light on, see what it does, you know? Mm. And then motivate it. Like put a, put a, put a bulb back here and see if you can kind of wrap it a little nicer or, or just, just something, just have fun with it. This industry's fun. And I, I know that's, that can also be a little dangerous because this industry is so fun. You know, mm. everybody wants to do work for free in a fun industry, mm. but it is also a business. So keep that in mind. Mm. But yeah, have fun. This is, it's art. That's all it is. I love it, dude. What? Go, have go. fun and get the reps in, man. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. So I, I want to know before we get to the, the final five questions, what's next for you? Well, you got any big projects that you're gearing up for or, you know, what's some, uh, you know, career dreams that you're looking forward to? What, what What's next for Tyler? So I'm doing a G&E on a short film all next week. It's going to be 10, 12 hour days. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that and also not just because of the sleep, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be so worth it at the end. And then, you know, hopefully a feature comes my way soon, whether that be with Omerita or a couple of the other short films that we've worked on, we're going to start pitching and selling those so fingers crossed on that dream project is a feature right now no matter what it is like i just want to shoot a feature i mm. just want to get it under my belt i got a follow-up question to that so you mentioned that you're doing g e all next week like as a dp do you still typically just take roles in all different departments uh do you only do g e stuff because it's related to lighting and kind of tied into what you do as a dp um or you know, how often are you taking jobs outside of your DP role um, right now? So I take them all the time, um, whether it be AC work, like I, I always do AC work and then I always do gapping and stuff like that. And I think it's it's very strong to do that. Not strong, but it's very good to do that because um, you not only learn how to do that stuff and then you're now you're able to communicate that to people and now you're able to learn what it actually takes and see what's possible and see what's not possible. So I think if you can get your hands on anything that is directly connected to being a DP, like gaffing, AC, you'll be, in my opinion, a better DP because you'll be able to communicate with your team and then you'll be able to guide them and, and, and help push them forward too. I love it. I actually really enjoy taking first AC projects because the stress level for me goes so far down. The day is almost oh, yeah. always like easier to watch another DP squirm with all of the headaches and me just sit back ready to pull focus <laughs> knowing that the camera is perfectly dialed. It's like so much less stressful. And uh, the other thing too that that's really great about it is as a DP, when I go AC for other DPs, which isn't as often as I would like it to be, but when I get the chance to do it, I get an opportunity to learn from that DP and I'm always able to take something away from that day that I can either learn what to do or what not to do. And it gives me an opportunity to, you know, as a DP, we don't get a chance to typically work with a ton of other DPs. Um, and so it's a really great way to, you know, just put additional tools in your tool belt. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you, you learn from other people. You kind of get to see how they do it. That's that's the best part. It's like watching YouTube and seeing right. whatever. But you're but you're there. And then if you need to, you can ask questions and all that type of stuff. I mean, that's like the, the traditional route is to start off in either the, the lighting or camera department and then work your way up. And I feel like the AC jobs that I've had in the past typically taught me the most about 
cameras and how to build them out and the technical issues that go into them. And so, uh, you know, the AC opportunities that I had helped me become a more well-rounded, you know, person with a camera in my hands and iron out some of the kinks that came up along the way on set. Absolutely. Um, well, bro, I want to dive into five questions that we'd like to ask each and every one of our guests before we wrap this thing up. But if you could go back and do it all again differently in your career, what is one thing that you would change? I would I would try to get in this industry faster, whatever it would be, like hopping into lighting or hopping into camera department, not kind of doing the, the YouTube route because I feel like that was fun and it did teach me a lot, but I felt like it slowed me down as to my goals and maybe I didn't know them back there and maybe I didn't know what I wanted to do in the future. But yeah, I would, I would say just, just try to get in as quick as possible to the actual industry and learning the industry. And yeah. What excites you the most about the current film industry or market? Oh, so much. I, I love, I love camera systems. I think that's the way I feel like we, we just have so many cool camera systems, whether it be cable cam, cinema robot. Um, I know some, some systems have been around forever, but there's, there's a lot of new stuff coming out and a lot of new developments and a lot of new pieces of equipment. And I know you shouldn't get hung up on equipment, but there's a lot of things that are good that help take a lot of the stress off, off your back on, on the day that you're shooting. I went to uh, NAB for the very first time this year. They celebrated 100 years, which is insane when you think about it. Uh, but I went to NAB for my very first time, and I was a kid in a candy shop just seeing all of the new tech gear that was coming out on the market and all of the ways that our life was going to get easier and all the ways that my bank account was going to deplete to zero. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, the new tech that is coming out right now to make our images prettier and our life easier is unbelievable. And what a time to be a filmmaker, man. Um, Absolutely. What is one piece of advice that you can give to filmmakers trying to grow in their craft or their business? I would say take your time and, and really learn everything hmm. kind of practice, 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 practice. It's, it's, this isn't something, I mean, if you look at all the, the, the big time DPs, they're all, I mean, I'm not, let's not say older, but they're, they're, you know, they're not young. They're not twenties. They're experienced. You know, they've, they've taken the time. They've really taken the time to learn. I think that's something that we look past. We all want we all want instant gratification. We want it right now. We want to we want to be the best that we can right now. Which sure, you should you should work towards that, but it's not like a race, you know. Take your time, learn, try new things, try everything. When I was starting off, I tried everything. I was weddings, YouTube, everything. And then I finally found where I wanted to be. So and then a couple of the other things that we touched on too, like practice, always practice, and then networking as well. It's awesome, bro. I think that's great. And patience is so important in the in the industry, right? But at the same time, like you said, push yourself. You know, go for that instant gratification. You know, push to sure. practice to get to there. But you got to be patient in this industry, man. It's it's always an uphill journey. Well, and we're all artists at the end of the day. And like, you know, I was reading on the def or uh the difference between uh talent and what do they call it talent and crew uh why can't i think of the name of the what's the other thing besides talent crew crew what are you talking about 
I'm, I read the book Grit. I'm, I'm literally reading it right now, and it's just talking. Uh, oh, talent, like talent versus like skill. skill. Is it okay. ta- talent and skill? Sorry, I couldn't even think of the word. But like the di- like the difference between someone who's talented, um, like what separates the people that are talented initially is the amount of effort they're willing to go uh, to get to, you know, being a really skilled person. I feel like I'm still missing the word. It doesn't even sound right. <laughs> I'm over here thinking you're just talking about talent, like talent in a film. And I'm like, crew, no. crew is the other word. No, 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 no. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm butchering this, but, uh, like at the end of the day, like it sums it up and it's like the, the amount of effort that you are willing to put into something is more of the, um, identifier in how successful that you will be rather than how talented you initially start out. Right. Um, so like the na- nature versus nurture. Exactly. Argument, right. Exactly. Yeah. And okay, so, absolutely. yeah, man, like, so starting out not talented, uh, but being willing to put in, um, more effort than a talented person is going to take you further at the end of the day, which is, you know, just kind of a profound, but simple concept to, you know, to re, uh, just reinforce the point of practicing. I agree, man. I gotta. I I used to always beat my brother in tennis. I was just naturally good mm-hmm. at tennis, but that dude like practiced a whole summer, yeah. and I didn't put any reps in. And I cannot. I don't hold the candle to him now in tennis. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a silly example, but it's true right. though. Like you put in the reps, you're gonna beat people that are naturally right. good or talented or yeah. have just an edge, a beginning edge, because the reps I think is is really what counts. Hundred percent, man. Um, where do you feel like as an industry we're headed in filmmaking, uh, or should be focused on as, as much as I I don't like to say it, there's a lot of social media stuff that's very popular right now Mm. and doing social media stuff is very popular. And we are, we are in a very video based market, you know, but a lot of that stuff is a lot lower budget Mm. in my opinion. That was at least, at least the Arizona market. It's hard to speak on other places, but the Arizona market's a lot lower budget right now, but you know, we just opened up new studios. We got our film incentives out here. Like we're starting to see a lot of growth. And I'm I, as as far as out here, I, I really do see the film industry start booming and a lot more bigger productions start coming through and stuff like that. But um, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, more? Like, well, even to your point, I actually and it's something we haven't really talked about. But I there is more of a demand right now for video than I feel like there ever has been. But, and to your point, this is my personal opinion for the Dallas market as well, but there's a demand for low budget filmmaking is what it is, what it honestly feels like because social media is so popping right now. Everyone wants, you know, short form vertical video, which, uh, if anybody is watching, uh, my hat says, uh, make horizontal video great again. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. I, but, but, it, but it's true, man, like vertical short form, low budget filmmaking is heavily in demand right now. And there's, it almost feels like, and, and again, some people might disagree with this, but it feels like there's more of an opportunity to be a low budget, like content creator rather than like a cinematographer. I'll say this too, as a producer and director, and I do a lot of the the sales calls with clients. What we're getting asked for now is content creators. Right. They are, no, we don't need a DP or a crew or no, we just want somebody with an iPhone that could come out and shoot something vertical. You know, it's crazy, and so man. I kind of agree with you there. I, I do think um, you know the 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 big jobs are still out there, and I hope that those still increase as well because the like you said, the demand for video is steadily going up i mean since when i got into the industry in 2010 
it's huge compared to then, right? And I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger, especially with all the AI and virtual and all the stuff that's coming out. Um, but yeah, like it, it is strange. You get a lot of this content creator stuff, which there's a place for all of it, you know? I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of what he was asking, Tyler, is like, you know, where do you see the industry headed? What should we be focused on? And, and uh, so do you have any thoughts on, you know, how to... Um, continue in a market like that? Like, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves, uh, DPs versus content creators? Well, I think, I think there's going to be a demand for both always. Um, there's a lot of like higher end commercials that I don't really think can Mm -hmm. be done by most. I mean, I've, I've seen it happen. You've seen content creators kind of come up the ladder and get to the point where they can shoot high end commercials and stuff like that. But like, Things are becoming a lot more accessible nowadays, and and you can see it now with the latest iPhone commercial, with the voila cinema thing. Yeah, Pro, okay, ProRes and the all iPhone the memes behind dude. all that. Yeah, yeah, but like things are becoming a lot more available, and then there's stuff like that that's being pushed out in front of people, so the, the people aren't really ed- educated on the the difference between what that was able to create versus like a full crew and all that type of stuff or like an iPhone versus like full crew and, or like one person was full crew. And that's that, I think that's the whole debate about the the creator. Have you guys seen that movie yet? I haven't, but I want to so bad, bro. It looks so good. FX three. Yeah. Right? Shot on the FX three. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous movie. And yeah, it was done on FX three, but it had an $80 million budget. Right. And, and Greg Frazier was uh, helping out. So <laughs> yeah. So it's it's really hard to you know it's hard to beat that you know there's there's a lot of technical aspects that a lot of people don't really understand. I think FX3 sales probably went up after that movie because everyone's like yeah I could shoot I could shoot a, a blockbuster movie now or something like that. It's, it's 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 not really that way. You have to have the crew, you have to have the knowledge, you have to know all this stuff in order to create something like mm. that. So I think there will be a demand for both, and I think there's going to be people that'll that'll do great on the content creator side of things. And I think that there's going to be people that are going to do great on production and DPs and producers, directors. I, I, I don't, I don't see either of them outweighing the other, but I think there is more of a market right now for content creators as far as TikTok and Instagram and all that type of stuff, social media. Cause I don't really think, People are really focusing big budget on social media right now. Yeah. Well, and and even too with all of the different streaming platforms that are opening up, like there's there's more demand for even talented DPs, uh, you know, in the Netflix, Amazon, TV series space. Um, and I think TV series have been popping off even almost more heavily than movies. 100%. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that's where the new wave is, is headed. And, um, I think the Absolutely. real opportunity for DPs, especially in the coming years. So yeah. Episodics definitely 100%. killed or has slowed down theatrical and feature Absolutely. releases. And, but we 100%. might see us, we might see a shift though. Who, who knows? Yeah. You know, there's, there's waves and flows of of Hollywood and, and film production. So. And with this new SAG strike being lifted, I think that's going to, you know, really impact, uh, you know, jobs for, for everyone. So uh, exciting stuff, man. Tyler, who is one filmmaker that you really admire and why? Oh, geez. Um, it's hard to pick one. You know, I, I love Denis for the work that he does as a director. And I love, almost everything he does, how he works with scale and all that stuff. But I mean, we said his name earlier, Greg Frazier. He's just on fire right now, you know, 
the goat. He's he's had, has some amazing pieces out, and he's so versatile. So I would probably have to pick out of the two, Greg. Like I've watched the Batman eight times, dude. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> stop watching that film, you know. <laughs> Greg, Greg, in my opinion, and I'm going out on a limb right now, might be one of the best cinematographers of all time. He is undeniably one of the most talented DPs that has ever walked this earth. He is so, so good. Um, dude, have I you seen, have you seen arrival? I love arrival. Oh my gosh. I'm so late to the party, but I just watched Denise, uh, film arrival. And if you have not watched it again, I'm late to the party, but it was such a good movie. Denise is the goat man. Oh yeah. Denise, like I said, I just love how he works with like scale or like, Hundred percent. Things feel larger than life in his films. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm excited for Dune too, man. It's uh, it's gonna be epic. Ah, uh, uh, um, yeah. That, yeah, dude. So so good. Well, bro, thank you so much again for your time, uh, tapping in with us on the podcast. It's been great to get to know you. I uh, appreciate all of the wisdom that you were dropping here today. Uh, for those that want to get connected with you, how can people get in touch, man? Yeah, you could uh, you could follow me on Instagram at Tyler Chandler DP or my website TylerChandlerDP.com. That's pretty much the only two pieces that really matter and and what I do because I don't really use much. I don't use LinkedIn. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't really use it. So, yeah. Well, if you don't follow Tyler, he is a really fun follow. He posts beautiful, beautiful uh, behind the scenes and and, uh, just screenshots of some of his work. Uh, And it has been a joy for me as a DP to follow him and just see some of the really tight content that he's putting out. So thank you again, man, for your time joining with us today. This has been an amazing episode of the Rough Cut Club, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you.